Welcome to Centering, the Asian American Christian Podcast. Each week, we explore questions of faith, community, and identity. This is Melba Matthew and Dur Lore, your hosts for this season. In this season, we are going to dive into the difficult and complex task of being a part of a community or multiple communities. Thanks for joining us. Well, we are back with our second episode. Uh, Today we are talking about Asian American pan-ethnicity and ethnic identity. Again, my name is Durlor. And I'm Melba Matthew. And we are stoked uh, to be here to be discussing this and sharing with you all. A bit of disclaimer before we get going here. Uh, We just want to mention that today's episode will have more of an anecdotal feel, that we're going to be sharing our stories, our experiences, more so than like a a nuanced, like historical presentation about Asian America. But having said that, we do want to provide our listeners with just a foundational definition of what Asian America is. We're not going to dive deep into that, into all the complexities of it and the strengths and the challenges of that label. Um, In fact, there's actually earlier episodes where Dr. Daniel Lee and Kevin Doy have tackled some of these already. So to kind of get us going this morning today, we're going to just go back to this label Asian America as being uh, coined uh, back in 1968. It was uh, two students at the University of California, Berkeley, who uh, these two students, they were Asian American students. They they were inspired by the Black Power Movement and the protests against the Vietnam War. And they founded this Asian American Political Alliance group as a way to unite Japanese, Chinese, and Filipino American students on campus. I think that's amazing, Melba, that it was two students. I always thought it was a professor. Yeah, and in 1968, like, that term was there at that period of time in American history. Honestly, I didn't even gain awareness of that term until much later in life. Yeah, I totally agree. It was... Being Asian American, that was not a term that I think many of us grew up identifying with, right? But it wasn't until we kind of branched outside of our immediate context and kind of saw the broader picture of what Asians in America really look like and some of our shared struggles and challenges, right? Yeah. Yeah, so with that, we that's kind of our working definition of what we mean by Asian America. It's it's not a it's not necessarily speaking about a single, uh, you know, ethnic narrative, uh, but it's describing our kind of collective a history and experience and challenges um, as Asians in America. So how does that sound to you, Melba? It's kind of just our launching point for the, the rest of this episode. Yeah. And again, this season, we're focused on the topic of community, right? So we're trying to understand how how do we resonate with our sense of community as Asian Americans? You know, does that give us a sense of belonging and acceptance within that group? That's really the question that I'm honestly still exploring and discovering myself and learning how to answer. So again, like there's said in the disclaimer, I'm just going to be speaking from my experience. I'm not an expert on the subject. And yeah, hopefully all of you are, that are listening are forming your own thoughts and, and recalling instances in which you felt like, oh, I'm a part of this community. Or maybe recognizing like, oh, there's room for me to join in this community and identify with this community. Absolutely. I resonate so much with that, that just that the point of the journey of like, I'm still figuring out what it looks like for me as a Hmong American, as a Southeast Asian American to journey alongside the broader, you know, Asian American community. So I I just resonate with where you're at very much. Yeah. And I like, you shared a a quote, I think with me before about um, just 
how Asian American describes not it's expressing an idea, right? Do you want to read that quote? Yeah, so this is kind of just fleshing out further what we mean by Asian American. Uh, Instead, Asian American, rather than describing our personally felt identities or describing our family histories, uh, it expresses an idea. And that idea is that as Asian Americans, we have to work together to fight for social justice and equality, not only for ourselves, but for all of the people around us. So that's from uh, this NBC article. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm still wrapping my mind around that because as I was thinking about this topic, I was like, I I need to honestly think back on when I felt like it was a felt identity and it's really hard to pinpoint. I don't know, did you did you feel that as we were thinking about your own story? Yes, uh, I, I remember actually a, a huge part of my journey into Asian American identity is uh, traced with uh, being at Fuller. Um, I remember... Mm-hmm. Very much, you know, growing up in Wisconsin in mostly white contexts, knowing I was Hmong American, speaking Hmong to my parents, but then not really having other fellow Asian Americans, right, to to have community with. So when I came out to Fuller, I remember that, you know, it was in, you know, SoCal, Los Angeles, Asian American capital, where I was confronted with how how, how do I relate to all these people who look like me, but who speak different languages as me uh, or, or than me, who have different values, but some shared experiences. Um, and so, I mean, that was just five years ago. So it's still really fresh uh, for me. So when you came to Fuller's, when you had the awareness that, oh, there's other people that look like me, but do we identify with each other? I think that was the first time that it was kind of like on the ground, I had the encounter with it, right? Like, you know, I, uh, of course, we always know that there are there are other people out there, right? But yeah. Fuller was kind of the first context where um, I could really be in community with, how do I say it, non-Hmong Asians, right? Yeah. Yep. Did you grow up with a lot of other Hmong Americans? I actually didn't. Um, you know, we had kind of our close clan family and just regular family events. But in terms of the school I went to, I mean, my siblings and I went to an all-white school district. We were the first non-white students. We were the first students of color to ever enroll in this mm-hmm. school district in the middle of Wisconsin. There's no point in me even saying the name of the, <laughs> the, the little town because no one's going to know it besides maybe like two people listening, right? So no, but like being a part of, for me, it was very like bifurcated. It was like my mom identity was like in this bubble in, inside my house. And then, you know, whatever my American identity was, was kind of separate from, from that. Wow. So you were the only non-white person in, in that context, in your school context. Yeah. And me and my like five siblings. Yeah. You know, this, this might be a good point to kind of transition us then into kind of exploring further, like what that this ethnic specific identity is and um, how that relates to our Christian faith. So like for you, Melba, if, if, could you share just like when you kind of became more aware of your own ethnic identity as an Indian American, and then did that or did that not impact your Christian faith in any way? always quote unquote knew I was Indian. I think because my parents made it a point to emphasize like, we, you know, we want to retain our heritage and our language. And 
the people that we were friends with, the community that we formed were other, specifically Malayali speaking, Malayalam is a language, so speaking um, Indians from Kerala. So we formed a community around that. And I always just remember knowing that I was Malu and Christian, like that was very important. Actually, it wasn't until like maybe fourth grade when I, actually, let me back up. So in school, I went to a small private Christian school um, in my early years. And there was maybe like one other Indian person in the school other than my brother. (laughs) And each class, there would be like maybe one other person of color, you know, one black girl, one Hispanic girl, one other Asian girl. And I didn't have any construct of like, oh, I am more like this person than the other, except for thinking like, oh, I feel just like maybe I'll gravitate to the other misfits. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And in that context, we were all Christian though. But when I moved to a public school, I met other Indians. There were a lot more other Indians and all of them, for the most part, at least in my mind, were Hindu. And I felt like I did not belong with them. And they didn't see me as really Indian because I was Christian. Mm. And yeah, that was, yeah, really striking for me. Because I was like, of course I'm Indian. I've always known I'm Indian. Why are you questioning that now? But I didn't really fit into the community of other Indian Americans because the religious like rituals and festivals and things were more salient for them Mm. and how they gathered and how they related to each other. Wow, that's that. There's so many parallels there with what you just shared, and the Hmong shaman community and the Hmong uh, Christian community. So your story is kind of your experience is kind of more like my wife, who okay. she's she's Hmong and grew up in the Hmong church, and so all her life, her Hmongness mm-hmm. and her Christian faith have kind of been intertwined. You know, I grew up in a Hmong shaman family, mm-hmm. and then later came to Christian faith. So for me. My journey of, you know, coming to my own uh, ethnic identity and piecing that with my Christian faith has been uh, mm-hmm. has been a huge mess, to say the least. It's an ongoing journey. But, you know, I, I, I guess to kind of answer answer my, you know, the, the question that we're talking about, when did I come to my mm-hmm. own ethnic, you know, awareness and how did that impact my Christian faith? Again, I, I grew up in, you know, white context. And when I became a Christian, I started serving in white churches, predominantly white churches. So all the tools, all the language, the theology, the worship culture, it was Mm -hmm. all in a predominantly white context. And then I literally remember one day realizing like, Mm -hmm. what am I doing here? (laughs) I was like, I was at, I was one of like two staff of color at this large white mega church with the staff of like 50 white people. And it was me and this um, other Asian American girl. And we were both interns at the time. And for like two, three years, I didn't really ask the question, what am I doing here? All of a sudden one day Mm -hmm. I was like, what am I doing here (laughs) as this Hmong person in this, you know, all white staff? Um, And I think that triggered a hunger to, you know, to pursue that question more without knowing where that question was going to lead me. Interestingly, I went to the Southeast Asian Christian Conference years later, okay. and that's when I met Daniel Lee from, from Fuller. And uh, I, was, I was already thinking about going to Fuller. So I, I ran into Daniel. I think he was there, I think, doing some recruiting for Fuller. Right? He, he was behind the Fuller booth. And so he and I had some really good conversations, and I was already thinking about going to Fuller and, you know, ha- having met him, and it just kind of like, sealed the deal for me. I just, it just felt like to really pursue this question that I just suddenly woke up and was burning in my heart one day, like, what am I, as a Hmong 
okay, what am I doing at this like all white staff church to really pursue that and to pursue, you know, how my faith fits with all of that. I felt like I needed to come to Fuller. And so that's kind of just the, how it started, right? Obviously, you and I are, are still very mm-hmm. much on that journey, or I'm very much still early in the journey. Yeah. So when you came to Fuller, that's when you felt like, okay, now there's this opportunity to integrate my long American identity with my Christian faith. And that just didn't, it sounded like it didn't really seem like it was something that you were encouraged to think about in a white context or in your all-white church. Totally. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't even a viable category in the predominantly white church. And, you know, that's, that's I'm not saying that's true of all homogenous churches, but, you know, a number of things from the denominational affiliation, from its theology. And, you know, um, certainly I'm sure there are white churches who are, are very uh, conversant in those kinds of conversations, but the particular church I was a part of, mm-hmm. um, that what that wasn't really um, a category that I could explore ethnic identity and what Jesus looks like into a person of Hmong ethnicity. Mm-hmm. Um, Were you acknowledged as or regarded as Asian American in that context? Uh, no, I don't think that that. I mean, I never heard that word used to describe me. Um, I think I was. If I can just be brutally honest, I think what it was, I mean, I'd grown up, again, in white context all my life, so I could blend in really easily. But it's kind of the, you know, checking your Asian American, your Hmong American identity out the door when you walk into a lot of those spaces. So to the degree that I left that out at the door, nobody could see it, right? And so I blend in out of survival, out of not having an alternate sense of community like the communities that I was a part of it wasn't their fault that they couldn't see something that I, I wasn't bringing does that kind of make sense yeah yeah I get that I grew up in a very I think unique context so I grew up in San Jose where there are a lot more Asian Americans and um, a really vibrant immigration immigrant population and what's funny is I actually thought, and I'm being honest, like, you know, the few white kids that I interacted with, I thought they were weird. <laughs> um, I just didn't understand them. And I felt like they didn't really understand me apart from in, in that private school context, just being Christian. That's the only way we could really understand each other. And then in the public school context, I just kind of gravitated towards the kids that I felt like we were behaviorally similar, like we were pursuing the same things, good grades. Um, And that happened to be the Asian kids. And I think that's more because of the, maybe the immigrant narrative, how we were being raised by our parents, what we were expected to achieve. And now looking back, I'm like, I'm realizing Oh yeah, that was a Pan-Asian group. But at the time I didn't associate with them or create that community because I saw that as the similarity. I was just noticing like, you know, the behavioral similarities and the white kids acted more, honestly, more, they were more outspoken, more rowdy. And I was taught to like, just be well-behaved and well-mannered. And um, I saw that contrast as a kid and probably formed some of my, like biases and my leaning towards like finding community in more Asian groups versus white groups. Let me ask you this. Where, did you attend um, an undergrad where there was like Asian American clubs? And if you did, did you feel like you want, you were gravitated towards that or were you like, you know, no thanks? Um, in undergrad, I, I, I wasn't aware of any Asian American clubs. It was more divided by, it was a South Asian 
group. And that's when I think I really started to explore that identity more and connect with other South Asians and not, not just Malayali Christians, but Indians from different parts of the country, you know, Pakistani folks. Um, yeah, they're South Asians. And we were housed under the multicultural center. So I was, yeah, interested in that in college, especially because I went to a majority white undergrad. That was the first time I had seen so many white students at one time. And also the diversity of white students too. I had only like one image prior to that. Yeah. yeah. How about you? What was your experience like in college? Yeah, so I went to um, University of Wisconsin-Madison, and I that was when I first had Hmong friends I, for, for, for the first time in my yeah. life. It, it's it's crazy when I think about it. I think, you know, 18 years old. But I was the one who, I wasn't drawn to, like, you know, the Asian-American or the, the Hmong-American student groups. You know, I was the total opposite of our, of the two individuals who, uh, who coined the term Asian America. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, I was like, no, thanks. That's, you know, that you're just marginalizing yourself mm-hmm. by, you know, grouping together. I just want to be part of the crowd kind of thing. So that, that kind of reveals kind of where I was at that point. Right. And, and kind of to your point here, I was very ambivalent about all of that. It didn't make a difference to me mm-hmm. whether or not I saw myself as Hmong or Asian American um, or, or how other people saw me. And again, I think that's just like our survival instinct yeah. kicking in. Like, I just want to blend in. I just want to uh, be accepted. You know, I think that kind of phenomenon, but it can come to a great cost as uh, as many of us are finding out today, you know, that especially like in our faith and, and how our, you know, theologies lack contextuality because we've inherit, inherited um, many models of, Christology and just very like very you know Western models of mm-hmm. how we talk about faith. That uh, once I kind of tapped into my my Hmong identity some more, I realized there were other categories specific to Hmong context that you know the popular Christian theology just didn't really speak as much to. Yeah, and you were really learning to how Hmong fits in with Christian. Kind of, it sounds like you were isolated in that discovery. I, yeah, my my experience was kind of different because like my Indianness and my faith was so intertwined. And yeah, now actually, I don't know if this is you know, totally related, but now I feel like I'm deconstructing that a little bit more. Like, oh, is it? What else factored in? What other factors other than ethnicity factored into this like pride in my heritage, right? And yeah, I'm learning now about how like the caste system played into maintaining, you know, a tight-knit community among St. Thomas Christians. And Hmm. um, yeah, that I mean, that's just like a whole other track that I'm still like, my mind is being blown. Like, cause I, I always just thought like, oh, we're Indian we're Malayali and we're Christian and those are the two most important things. I didn't see how other like socioeconomic factors were influencing the formation of our, my community at the time. Yeah. There's so many like layers. I'm just seeing so many layers in, of the concentric circles yeah. to how our Asian American identities, our ethnic identities and our Christian faith identities all interact with each other there. 
Yeah, so we, we kind of touched on, right, this idea of ambivalence growing up, like not really knowing how those identities fit with each other, right? Like how being ethnic, um, our ethnic identity, how did that fit with being Asian American? Now, do you feel like you identify or relate more to being Asian American? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like just being given uh, some of the the history of you know Asian American with the label, and uh, even some of the you know reading Asian American theologians and scholars, I've I feel like I have begun to find that shared community with shared struggles, shared theological struggles, even uh, shared faith struggles. That I, I feel like it's um, it's allowed me to to tap into that to, to that. Asian American identity. Yeah. What what's coming to mind for you maybe as you think about like shared faith struggles within Asian American Christian community? Yeah, when I first read Asian American theology from a place of from a liminal place by Sang Hyun Lee, Dr. Sang Hyun Lee. He's a Korean American theologian out in, I think it's Princeton. And uh reading the first couple of chapters of his book Liminality, it felt like, you know, who is this guy who's been following me around all my life and pretty much telling my story you know it's it's it was that scary of just like how does this person know so much about my experience and then um this this experience of being marginal but but also leverage leveraging that to be liminal mm-hmm. to then shape new communities of faith um to uh speak prophetically to to the powers and to the status quo and uh dr lee talks about how yeah we can do that we can take what was this negative thing of marginality and turn it into a positive thing. And I just felt like for the first time I could see my biculturalness, I could see my my marginality as a strength for the first time. Mm-hmm. And that um, perhaps God could use me in unique ways that uh, God could use people like us in unique ways that, you know, other people who are only from homogenous cultures cannot you know, mm-hmm. uh, straddle back and forth between uh, multiple kind of cultural contacts. So I saw that as kind of a huge encouragement and empowerment to um, to the struggles of what it means to be Hmong and Asian American and Christian turned into uh, a source of empowerment and encouragement. Yeah, I really like that. That resonates. And it's not something that I, I think, it, it's really not yet where the conversation has been in my own ethnic community to find like, oh, we share a similar struggle with other marginalized groups and within, you know, the Asian American community. To be honest, I feel like there's still so much separateness and this like sentiment that like our experiences are just too different. And yeah, almost even like competitiveness or resentment. I don't know. I don't want to like overgeneralize, but I, yeah, it just, ha- I haven't experienced that coming together or that intention to find like-minded and, or other Asian American Christians who experience the same struggles. Cause I think there's been an assumption in my community that we don't share the same struggle. Mm. I, I don't fully know the, the context of like Indian American communities. And I'm I'm sensing from you as you share that there's like, you know, multiple sub communities within sub communities, mm-hmm. kind of thing, depending on language and all of that. Yeah. And it's like you almost have to break out of your, you know, linguistic shell just to like come together with Indian Americans exactly. first before you can expand beyond that bubble into the next, you know, Asian American bubble. Right. So, do you feel like there are like with kind of just 
folks our age and younger, this generation, do you feel like there's more of an awareness or a, a hunger to to look for something like that? Or do you see it like they are they more content staying within their, you know, sub communities within the sub communities kind of thing? I think there is more of a hunger, but it's we're so siloed still. I think those who felt the hunger felt like, okay, in my ethnic community, my other like the other members don't share that. And so I have to just separate out. And then, mm. you know, you have all these people who've kind of just isolated um, and assume like there's no one else like me, which is kind of sad. And honestly, like with the Black Lives Matter movement right now, we mentioned last episode how we're seeing some groups being formed along ethnic lines, you know, like South Asians, a racial line, South Asians for Black Lives Matter. And some of the sentiment that's expressed in those groups is like, I never knew there were other people like me who cared about other races, mm-hmm. other ethnicities, and justice. Right. Yeah, it's sad and also encouraging at the same time that now we have the opportunity to identify, you know, maybe a potential for community in that sense. Right. Yeah. Wow. That, that is, uh, it's like this awakening that we're all experiencing yeah. to different degrees, depending on kind of where we're coming out of, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Well, I'm kind of looking at uh, our time here. I, I wonder if the two of us, Melba, could just leave our listeners with, with one final thought, a word of encouragement. Um, feel free to speak from our own kind of uh, ethnic, you know, location, but also speaking to the broader Asian American group. But any final words or final thoughts of encouragement um, to our listeners who are wrestling with these things that we've talked about today? Ooh, I had to think on that one. You got, do you have one off the top of your head? I can go. You know, right away, I'm thinking about the Asian American person serving at an all-white church, right? I'm thinking about you. Or, or you're one of, you know, two staff of color at your church. It's lonely. Uh, and, you know, if God has called you there, and it's it's not completely toxic for you, then you know continue to be uh, faithful in your role there. But I would encourage you, if that's you, to find people um, who you can journey personally with um, about these struggles, these questions, um, because in the long run, it's not going to do you any good if you ignore it, if you're ambivalent to it, and if you just say, you know what, no one no one sees me as Asian American at this church anyway. I'm just going to continue to let my survival instincts operate and not go after these, you know, difficult issues. Um, you sh- we should pursue mm-hmm. those and, and find someone to, to, to journey uh, with you through that. Yeah, I'm sure there are a lot of people out there in that boat who are maybe wondering or wrestling through that mm-hmm. question. I think we have to recognize our own tendency to maybe portray our culture and other cultures that maybe we find we gravitate towards in like an overly positive or an overly negative light. Dr. Daniel Lee talked about this with us about the tendency to kind of romanticize or pathologize the culture and just create a uniform portrayal of a culture. And yeah, just even thinking through my own experience, like being Malayali and Christian, that isn't a uniform experience. Being Asian American, in San Jose, that's not uniform to being Asian American in another part of the country, right? And, and so if you've had a negative experience with Malayalis, for example, your Malayali church in one context, or 
you know, you tried to move away from them, trying to find community within an Asian American, a Pan-Asian church, had a negative experience with that. Like, it's, it's easy to get discouraged and think like, okay, everyone must be like that. That's how, if we form a community along those lines, those ethnic or racial lines, then it's bound to disappoint me. And that's not necessarily true. I'm trying to, I'm redeeming hope um, for that, that we are so complex and there's so many other factors too affecting where we find a sense of belonging and acceptance and shared passion and, um, you know, shared trajectories of growth. And that can still happen within a community that maybe is bound by or tied together by a racial or ethnic identity. And yeah, I think there's reason or maybe hope to still find your place in those communities, even if it doesn't exist yet, right? We're still in the process of, of forming those communities. So yeah, does, does that make sense? It does. Obviously I'm still like working this out in my own mind too and, and giving myself hope that there is, um, there's possibilities to like still resonate with other Malayali Christians, other Asian American Christians and form a community around that. Absolutely. I, I think what I took away from what you said is there's new initiatives happening. You know, the spirit of God is moving, new communities are starting. Um, so whatever your context is right now, whatever challenges are present right now, that's not the final word. And uh, there will be more mm-hmm. uh, to look forward to is what I'm hearing you say. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for talking. um, I'm glad that we tackled this honestly a tough subject it's hard to even nail down sometimes and so um, hopefully we sparked some thoughts for you all for listening and the conversation will continue all right thanks for joining us this is centering the Asian American Christian podcast thank you for joining us please tune in each week as we discuss community and identity And remember, God loves and embraces all of who you are.